Recorded live. Hello, beloved ones. This is Bishop Dr. Lawrence Mwamba, once again with my wife, Tarina Mwamba, here in Dallas, Texas, the United States of America, broadcasting live here on TalkShoe on the Mwamba World Outreach School of Ministry. We are here to build the kingdom of God. We are here to build the work of God. It gives me great pleasure to see that many people are being blessed and touched by the broadcasts that are coming forth. You know what? Every broadcast we do here in Dallas, Texas, the United States of America, has a purpose. Has a purpose. I was very happy to see my friend Richard Roberts. He's in Italy right now, and he had a Facebook Live broadcast. I respect uh, Brother Richard. I've been to the University or Roberts University in Tulsa. I've had uh, a wonderful relationship with Brother Richard Roberts. He came to Zambia uh, with the presidential invitation from President Chiluba, who is now late. But Richard Roberts is a dear friend of mine. We stayed at the State Lodge. The president gave us about five cars. He gave me my own car to drive all the way from Lusaka to the Copper Belt. He gave Richard Roberts land cruises by the state. He even gave him, uh, you know, what they call like secret service here in America. In, in Africa, they call them the intelligence. Uh, they call them the red brick. These are people who guard the life of the president and dignitaries. President Chaluba gave these intelligence officials to look after the life of Brother Richard Roberts. So we had a big meeting. We stayed in the State Lodge, like I said, where the president stays when he visits the Copper Belt. We had a big impact. There was one crusade in Lusaka with thousands attending the meetings. Then we had another crusade on the Copper Belt, thousands again attending the meetings. I thank God for the Mufrila pastors who were so fervent in keeping the vision and working with me at that time, I, I, you know what? God will really bless you. Brother Richard, when I went to uh, uh, Taos, Oklahoma, he gave me the tapes of the recordings of the meetings. But over time, some of them have gone missing. But I think I'll reproduce those. They, it were, they were very powerful meetings, very powerful meetings. But you know what? There is a purpose why God connects us with certain people in life. You know, it looks easy, say, for example, those who have access to heads of state. It looks easy, like, hey, you just walk in and talk to a president, but it's not that easy. I remember Brother Louis Boyd from Texas here, Texas, kind of when he came to Zambia, and he saw how I was involved with the heads of government, mayors, district secretaries, personal assistant to the president, the vice president. He said, you know, Pastor, it's not everybody who has such access. You know, you look at it like it's normal, but it's, it's not that normal. You know, at that time, me, I was so involved in it, you know, and it didn't really, uh, really matter so much. But I, I realized that it wasn't that easy to meet all these guys, but it was by the grace of God. So, you see, the grace of God will be upon your life, and you will start opening doors for you to meet dignitaries. 
to meet important people that others can never in their lifetime ever meet, like a president, like eating with dignitaries, a president of a university like Richard Roberts, like being together, having lunch with the Dr. Fred Price of the big church there in California, in Los Angeles. It's not everybody who has that privilege. So when you see some of these blessings come into your life, you need to thank God for them. I remember when I used to do a lot of counseling in Zambia. I used to interact a lot with the elders and the deacons in the church. And there were those who really follow me all the time. They want to hear the word of the Lord. They want to hear me say something, you know. And there were people in the church, some of them who were like, oh, well, you know, they took it easy and all that. And I said to them, guys, I said, you know what? Take the opportunity while I'm with you here in Africa. <laughs> Let's share together. Let's get these meetings running. Let's to put up conferences every year. I had like five, six preachers coming from the United States into Zambia. I had people like Sammy Tippett from San Antonio coming with the Morris Toad. I had Dr. Christine Edwards from Texarkana coming with Dan, Louis Boyd, all these people coming for meetings. I had many ministers, Genotic of Missouri, Louis Boyd, and these guys in Crystal City. I had the convocations, and all of them I put them on television and radio, and some of them I gave them access to heads of government. And you know, some now, they've missed me for the last almost 20 years since I left Africa. It's getting to 20 years. And uh, they will hear my voice if, they, if I told they had a chance to, to get to my broadcast like this, or they will just see me on Facebook. That's how God gives you an opportunity in life to uh, interact with people and to utilize that time that he gives you. But uh, it has been a blessing. I was very touched. I was with people like TLOs, but this guy had been to the countries of the world, preached in every territory almost, in miracles and signs and wonders, blind eyes open, the lame walking. And this is the man I was having a, a meal with, a, a breakfast at my hotel, in Tausa at the Camelot Hotel, because that's where I stayed when I was attending the conference in, in Tausa, Oklahoma. I've been to Rayma with the, uh, Kenneth Hagen Ministries in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. I went to their facility, big, huge Bible school there. I remember getting on a taxi, booking it all the way from Tausa to Broken Arrow, and I thought, well, it's not so much of a distance, but it cost me quite some money. <laughs> I paid over some over sixty some dollars on a taxi from Tulsa to Broken Arrow, but it was worth it. I just wanted to see the best because most of the time, when I attended the conferences with Brother Kenneth Higgins, it was in Tulsa. They were at that big Tulsa Conference Center in Tulsa Central. So I never went to his institute, the Bible college he had in, uh, uh, he still has in, in uh, Broken Arrow. Now, Kenneth Higgins has gone to heaven, and his son, uh, Kenneth Higgins Jr., is the one who is running ministry. But I wanted to see the work that God had done for them. Same thing with uh, Lindsay Roberts uh, and his wife. Robert Lindsay and his wife, you know, uh, with Freda Lindsay. They, they, they are people of faith, affected the whole world. 
They got institutions in Germany. They got ministries in South Africa. You know, big works that are running. You know, like with Kenneth Higgins, that to enjoy and study under them for three years, I did their correspondence courses, paid $600 from Africa to study on long-distance learning. What am I saying? Opportunities come to us in a lifetime. And when those opportunities come and open themselves to us, we must appreciate and value them. It's a blessing to have access to people of great authority and power, president of a university, head of a ministry, pastors of huge churches, because they have thousands of people under them. And the anointing that rests upon them is a great anointing. So when you interact with people like that, you get what they call the impartation of the spirit of the living God. Now, there are some of the pastors who are very big <laughs> in ministry, and sometimes if they, they really don't know you, they will ignore you like you some kind of a, a nobody. You know, I remember going to South Dallas. This pastor invited me to preach at his church, and I started preaching at his church there. It was a small church, but he was a dedicated guy given to ministry. Then he introduced me to this pastor at a huge church, big church. So this guy, the other guy said, oh, you know what, pastor, if you talk to my pastor, he's going to give an opportunity to preach in the church. I thought, oh, that would be great. So I went down to South Dallas, went to the church. I passed over my business card. Because those days I moved with my business cards a lot. Now I don't, but anyway. So I passed over the business card through the usher. They took it to the guy. He was an apostle of the church, a big church. They gave it to him, and uh, this guy was so excited. You know, you're going to meet him. After the service, just walk with the entourage and he's going to talk to you. I thought, great. So anyway, the church, the service, it was nice service. The, church, the service ended and uh, uh, I did just likewise, like he told me. I, I followed out and walked out. I followed the group and I, I was close to him. I was just next to him, an inch off to him. I greeted him. I said, how are you, sir? You know, we talked a little bit. And uh, I was looking forward for us to sit down and talk ministry. But, you know, anyway, you should understand people with big ministries are usually very busy. You know, it's not like, you know, you can sit down with them and dialogue. They got things in their head running and the people are coming to them from all over the place. You know, I saw that in Nigeria. But anyway, the man, you know, he told his usher, whosoever was assistant, so don't tell the pastor, I'm going to talk to him and I'll make an appointment. That's how it blew up in the air. I never had an appointment with him. But, you know, when you get a blockage like that, don't worry. Maybe it's not God's will that you meet that individual. You know, God has got other things for you. So don't, don't uh, you know, uh, you know, bash your head about it and say, hey, what's going on? What happened? No, take it easy. God is still on the throne and he is in control. And so this is it, you know. Um, Today I'm teaching again in the Word of God. I'm trying to, uh, as much as possible, pass the Word into and pump it into Plano, both Plano and Dallas. Uh, I've known of many ministries which have started, uh, whereby these guys at big churches that have gone to other countries and started works, which are very successful now. So I do realize that by God's grace, we are going to have a big breakthrough as well. God is going to open doors that nobody is going to shut. We're going to have thousands coming and thousands, you know, attending the services. Those who are listening, 
on on uh, I used to do a blog talk radio. We had five thousand nine hundred self listeners around the world listening. Five thousand. I gotta get back to there, you know, because I like talk show, talk show. We are here, and he sees you just fix it, and there you are. But it's the same thing with the blog talk. But God's grace is abounding on talk show. So, friends, today I like to talk about like I put the title, the title on my uh, 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 on Facebook. I said there the title of my message today is uh, where Jesus cried and said to the woman. This is the kind of heavy stuff, you know. The woman was caught in adultery. He said to her, woman, where are your accusers? I said there on my title, I said I want to speak about forgiveness, sincere forgiveness. When God forgives you, it's not a play game. When God forgives you, it's sincere. God has really forgiven you. And so I want us to look into this scripture from the book of uh, John, uh, chapter number 9. Reading from verse number one. I'm reading from the King James Version of the Bible. Uh, actually, this one says the Southwestern. I got so many Bibles. But this says Southwestern. No, I've used the. Uh, no, this is King James Version from Southwestern. The Southwestern Company, Nashville, uh, published this Bible. But it's a King James Version of the Bible, commonly known as the authorized version or King James version. So this is King James. Right. I'm reading from verse number one of the book of John and chapter number eight. Verse one. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives and early in the morning he came into the temple. And all the people came unto him and he sat down and taught them. Verse number three. And the scribes and the Pharisees and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Verse 5. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? Verse 6. This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he has heard them not. Verse number seven. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Verse number nine. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? This was my title, Woman. Where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? Verse 11. She said, no. She said, no man, Lord. 
And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee, go and see no more. Neither do I condemn thee, go and see no more. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you know, when he, Jesus said that, immediately the Bible tells us, he says this, verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. After delivering that woman, he said, I'm the light of the world. He that walketh, or he that followeth me, shall not walk in darkness. See that? May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we do bless and thank you for this portion of scripture where we see the great forgiveness of God. We bless you and thank you that thou art a God who hears and answers prayer. We thank you that thou art a God who looks at the plight of your people and you are ready to forgive, you are ready to heal, you are ready to deliver. We honor your name knowing that you are a God of mercy, a God of compassion. Thank you for this word. We pray that you touch those who are listening. And you bless each and every one of them according to your divine grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, here is an account that Jesus forget this, forgave this woman. There had been this trend when, you know, following the laws of Moses in Leviticus. Anybody caught in such an act was to be stoned to death. And maybe before this woman, many women had died. They had been stoned. But something strikes me, you know, anybody reading this would say, but where was the guy? See what I'm saying? They ignored the guy and just captivated the woman and wanted the woman dead. That is grave injustice. The bearing on the woman and leaving the man free like he has committed no sin is right there by itself that injustice. You know, I remember very well when I dealt with Dr. T.L. Osborne and Daisy Washburn Osborne. They used to tell us in Taos, Washburn said, you know, where the Bible says he, you guys, you preachers, remember to say he and she. Okay? Don't just say he all the time, he all the time. Where is the woman? So say he and she. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I learned a lot from her, Daisy Washburn Osborne. She said, my name has to be imprinted in the Christian annals. I gotta leave a legacy. Nobody's gonna forget me that I was Daisy Washburn Osborne. <laughs> now the point I'm saying is, we tend to forget even in the church, like especially like the Catholic Church, they don't even allow women to preach, to be ministers of gospel. It's now that the Pope, I I read somewhere where it says they're going to give room and they're going to consider now women to become priests in the Catholic Church. That's a big development. But many, many of these churches, you know, they, they tend to put the women aside. But the Bible said, in the last days I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall do what? Shall prophesy. It didn't just say your sons shall prophesy, but your sons and daughters shall prophesy. So both men and women are called by God to minister the gospel to the world. And we shouldn't be biased in our judgment. 
What is fit for a man must be fit for a woman. I know, I saw in a, in a, in a, in a, a write-up here in America where they showed a, a fighter pilot woman, you know, flying those uh, pilot uh, uh, fighter jets. Women can do anything, you see. So there got to be a balance. But these people, they took this woman and brought her to Jesus and said, we caught this woman. But where, where was the man? Where was the man? Now, Jesus, being who he is, the Savior of the world, all he did was write down on the ground. Like some of the theological books have already said, don't care. Don't worry about whatever he wrote on the ground. That's why they haven't even manifested it in the Bible to show, it, to show us what Jesus wrote. The fact is, these people, their conscience was revealed. It showed that although they exposed this woman to Jesus so that he could give them the authority to stone her, they themselves would have been in the same boat. They have had things, they have done things in darkness. Their conscience were not clean. People, we human beings, we like accusing other people very easily. Whenever somebody does something wrong, we are quick to point a finger. Yeah, look at them, you know, it's a drunkard. Look at them, what they did. This. But then we forget our own wrongs, the things we do that displease others. You know, you know, we, we tend to be, you know, we, we tend to stand on the perfect pedestal. Like we are the best, you know, everybody's wrong. You know, look at her, we caught her in the very act. But what of your own sin? That's why Jesus said, he is without sin. Let him cast the first stone. You know what that means? If you have not committed any sin, pick that stone and stone this woman. But all of us, we have erred at some place somewhere. We have done something wrong. Maybe our sin is not exposed. Maybe our sin people don't know about. But we know God, God knows. That's why Jesus wrote on the ground. For the Bible says from the eldest to the youngest, they left the woman alone. You know, there is a tendency in this world to put people to shame. When they do a small error, we want to blow it and make them look so bad, like we are the best in town. You are not the best in town. You have also sinned. You have done something wrong. You are not perfect. You are human just like everybody. But we like pointing fingers. Look at him. Look at her. Look at what they've done. Look at this. How about you? <laughs> How about you? <laughs> Maybe your credit rating is bad. You've done bad things too. Maybe you have lied, big lies. But nobody knows about your lies except God. Maybe you have done things or you have had the evil thoughts to, 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 to do certain things that if they were exposed, the world would be in shock. But God forgave you. If God forgave you, learn to forgive others. Jesus said, he who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And guess what? Nobody had the courage or the, the clear conscience to pick up that stone and stone the woman. Listen, in life we must learn to forgive people. When people fall from grace, 
or they sin. We, sh- we Christians, are, somebody said Christians are the ones who are worst accusers. When somebody sins in a church, Christians will stumble on such a one. Christians, more than unbelievers, would destroy a person because a person sinned. But we must be the first one to forgive such a one. When somebody makes a mistake, when somebody has an error, let's not amplify that. Let's not enlarge the look what they did. Look. They, they don't think. They got no brains. They just do stuff like a blind person. But how about you? What perfect things have you done in life? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? People have had boobies everywhere. Leaders of countries have seen just this governor now in, 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 in Alabama. <laughs> he resigned yesterday because he was going with his mistress. A campaign man, a person who was working with, he had to resign. But he's a man of a high office. You see what I'm saying? These trials, they don't choose. They don't choose whether you're a leader. They don't choose whether you're a common man. They don't choose who you are. The devil will try you. But, you know, we must have those the compassion. You know, the compassion. You know, like Jimmy Swagger was saying, I was listening. He said, some of the tests that people have gone through, when you look at them and they fall, you point the finger and you laugh at them. What if it was you who was put in the same shoes and you, you faced the same test? Would you pass? Would you go through that test? See what? Maybe you would not. Maybe you crumble like that. You know, King David is a good example of having a forgiving heart and always humbling yourself in the face of God. When his enemy, King Saul, was killed in battle, you know what David did? David cried to God and said, how are the mighty fallen? And the weapons of war are perished. David didn't say, okay, now he's gone. Now I'm going to be king in the land of Israel. Yeah. He pushed me up. I was hiding in the caves. He thought he was a wise individual, clever than them all. But look at him now. He was killed by the Philistines. Now I got a chance to become king over Israel. No, he didn't say that. David humbled himself. This was a guy who was trying to destroy David. He was the one trying to kill David. David was running away from King Saul, hiding in the caves, not in the wilderness. The Bible said he mingled one time with the enemy tribe of the Philistines. He pretended like he was crazy to the extent that when they took him to the king of the Philistines, the king of the Philistines said, hey, take this crazy person away from my presence. But he was not actually crazy. He was pretending. But when his enemy died, David didn't say, hey, hey, hooray, help, 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 hooray, my enemy is gone. No. David said, how? Are the righteous fallen? How are the mighty fallen and the weapons of war are perished? He said, don't announce it on the mountains. Don't announce it amongst the children of Israel. How are the mighty fallen and the weapons of war are perished? 
Amalekite who came to, to, to David to tell him that King David, King Saul was dead, he was killed. You see, the Amalekite, when he was running, he came to David and gave a story. He said, hey, your enemy is gone. He said, what happened? Which enemy? He said, King Saul. He said, what happened? He said, you know, we were on battle, and, you know, the, the, the battle was so fierce. He was shot, but he didn't want to die from the enemy arrow. So he came to me and said, finish me up. He was lying. He thought David would say, oh, well done, man. You, you saved me a lot of uh, pressure from that guy. No. King David said, why were you not afraid to touch the Lord's anointed? And guess what? He asked his men to follow him, and he was killed. Friends, in the Lord, we need to have compassion. In, the, in Christendom, we need to have mercy. When you are pointing at people who are falling in the body of Christ and you think you are immune to failure, you are deceiving yourself. You know, temptation will hit at any time. I know the mighty man of God here in the United States of America whose wife went astray. Many preachers would just cross over and say, hey, that's over. That's the end of the story. But this man forgave his wife, mind you. She started going with some men and doing some yucky stuff. He forgave the wife and brought her home. How many would do that? Compassion. Having a sense of forgiveness. You know, Thomas denied Jesus. Not in the sense of denying the Lord, but Thomas said, until I see his hand and I look at the holes where they crucified him on that cross, I will not believe that Jesus is alive. This was a man who had walked with Jesus for three and a half years. He still doubted the man of God. You know, I lived with the Archbishop, you know, uh, in Nigeria for two years. The second year I lived with him in his house. He had a big, huge mansion. And like I said, you know, he treated me so. He gave me my own car. I would go around Nigeria, move all over in, on errands as he sent me from what we call the faith mansion. But, you know, I had regard for this man and great respect. Although I was close to him, I realized the anointing of the Lord was upon this man, you know, upon this man. And because of that, I didn't put myself in a level of temptation to underrate the power and anointing of the man of God. And you know, whenever God places you under a, uh, an apostle or a prophet to underline as a protege, when you underestimate and you disdain the anointing, you never be anointed. <laughs> You can only be anointed by the thing that you appreciate and the thing that you really respect. I think that's what uh, this teacher, uh, I think is important. Uh, he says that uh, uh, where you're not welcome, your anointing cannot so much as flow. You know what I'm saying? He, he teaches on the uh, principles of success in the kingdom of God. And he tells people how you can flow in the spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is not welcome, miracles won't happen. That's what happened to Jesus. They wouldn't welcome him in Nazareth. 
So great things did happen in Nazareth, you see. In Jerusalem, they resisted the power that Jesus had. And guess what? They didn't see the mighty miracles of God. Some of them said, show us, do what you did in Galilee. He said, there you're going to tell me a prophet, heal yourself. And he said, you know, a prophet is not welcome. He's not recognized in his own land and in his own house and in his own country. My point is, you know, even though Thomas doubted the Lord, the Lord forgave him. You see that? We, you know, with God, no matter how you mess up, when you repent, he will forgive you. Jesus told this woman, he says, woman, where are your accusers? <laughs> Has nobody accused you? She said, nobody, Lord. He said, okay, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. The key was, that lady was to go, but she wasn't going to sin again. Because if she did, a greater punishment was going to come upon her life. So what are we saying? In the work of faith, friends, in building the work of the kingdom, let us be a people who forgive one another. I know there are people who play with the things of God, people who uh, play games with God. It's not everybody who has got that serious spirit of saving the Lord. I remember when uh, uh, we were preparing for a crusade in Zambia, and the bishop gave me $10,000. You understand? He's a Nigerian preacher, Nigerian preacher in Africa. He gave me $10,000 to sponsor the crusade in Zambia. Guess what? I came with that money. I trusted individuals in the church. I had a deaconess whose husband was from the Fiji. She had a friend of hers who used to go to the Congo. Because when I came from Nigeria, the posters, advertisement, pamphlets were left. They went with the pastor to Lubumbashi. So this lady said, okay, pastor, I'm going to go to Lubumbashi. I'll go and get this document. I gave her almost six to seven hundred dollars to go collect this thing. She never brought anything. And all the money was gone. Man, when she came back, I said, what happened? You know what? She had a story to tell. Oh, I went, I looked for the man, we went to this place, we did this. But where are the posters? Where are the handbills? Where are the flyers? She brought zero. Now, I had to be answerable to the witness because they didn't give me $10,000. That was counsel. You know? He told me, Pastor, this money is for crusade. So I booked him at the Pamori Hotel. I myself lived. Then I booked the team, the whole team that they had at the family. I, a friend of mine, we arranged with this man in Mercedes Benz car. Brand new, almost brand new Mercedes Benz car for him to travel in. I hired these vehicles on uh, rental. They're called Ego cars. They, they, they're like distribution Ego cars, almost brand new. I got two of them. I was paying for the money. I got my friend one of them, and I was riding one. We were busy as bees, arranging, arranging the big parking center, you know, Kulima Tower Car Park in Lusaka Central. That was a crusade site. I booked the Pamozi Hotel, the whole base. Pastors came and took drinks free in Lusaka. And the bishop spoke. Then I hired the biggest 
arena in Zambia, the Mulungushi Hall. I booked for the whole place. Then I made an appointment with the president of Zambia. At that time, President Kaunda. We, we couldn't meet President Kaunda because he had a, a, an international conference of non-aligned president minister. So he had the, a big meeting going on. So we couldn't, uh, we couldn't meet him. But he referred us to the vice president. We went and saw Mr. Grace Zulu at the prison house with the archbishop. I booked all those places, hotels, food. I put the bishop on television and radio. Then when we picked him from the airport, I booked the VIP lounge. He didn't come like all these other passengers who come from the flight going into the checkpoints and checking their passport and visas. No, I took him through the VIP. I went to the foreign service. They gave me special documents to allow the official to come through as a VIP. Then I contacted the, the, the police central. They gave us police escort. The archbishop was escorted like a president from the airport to the hotel. They were police bikers, just like they escort the president with flashing lights and sirens going. You know, I made it so big for the man of God to the extent that some of the money which was misused, he forget. He said, man of God, I understand. I understand. So this was, I didn't do it willingly. You know what I'm saying? But we had a big move and shook Lusaka. Mulungushi Hall is a hall where you pay thousands of quachas in the quacha currency. A lot of money to get there. Many people don't even have access to Mulungushi Hall. But I managed to get the, the, the Archbishop there. I managed to get pastor there. Then we had a minister, a woman minister who opened the what am I saying? In, in, in life and in ministry, we need to recognize anointing. We need to recognize anointing and respect anointing. You understand? But things happen to men of God too. People stumble. People fall. But some of the fall are so serious that people crash and lose their faith. You see what I'm saying? Like Carlton Pearson, I don't know how he's doing now, you know. He's not the only one. There are many other preachers. I used to go to Carlton Pearson in his church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He had thousands of members. But he started twisting his theology. And slowly, slowly, he started deviating from the faith. At Oral Roberts, they said nobody should go to his church. The buses that used to take students from Oral Roberts University to his church, they stopped them. Why? He was in error. But you know, Still, I can forgive him. If he repents and comes back to the Lord, I'll forgive such a one. You know what I'm saying? Mercy. Because we never know. Even us will be tempted, maybe, where we can fall. And then, you know, I think it's Peter who said, when we are tempted, let us not say that the Lord tempted me, for the Lord tempted nobody. You know? You see, Peter said, resist the devil and flee. When you resist the devil, he will flee from you. See? But what I'm saying is having compassion. The Bible says in Lamentations that uh, the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. And great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. That's what the book of Lamentations says. It says... uh, uh, 
Let me see. Lamentations and chapter number two. If you can turn to Lamentations, you know where Lamentations is? After Ezekiel, then you have, uh, uh, let me see here. I think it's after Jeremiah. Yes, after Jeremiah, then you have Lamentations. It says there in Lamentations and chapter number one, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. See that? Here, Ezekiel, I mean, Jeremiah, the writer of uh, the, the book of Lamentations. Lamentations means the crying, weeping to the Lord. You cry. These are... He is crying out, but he's speaking these ways. He says, it is of the Lord's message that we are not consumed. What does that mean? I think God is not as furious as he used to be in the Old Testament. Because in the Old Testament, people, I mean, people committed an error, man. They were gone. Can you imagine Moses, just because he hit a rock twice, and he was not to be hit twice, guess what happened to him? He wouldn't enter the promised land. Miriam, when he spoke against his own brother Moses, guess what happened? She became leprous. God in the Old Testament used to judge just like that. Bam! The sons of Korah. You know what the sons of Korah did? The sons of Korah were assigned in Israel to carry the, the tabernacle equipment. You know, when the tabernacle has been uh, brought down, dismantled, they were to carry the equipment. But the, the sons of Korah, once the tabernacle was set, they demanded to be priests too. <laughs> when they were not assigned to be priests, Aaron and his sons were to be high priests. The Levites, the tribe of Levi, were to be priests, not the Korah, the, 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 the sons of Korah. But these sons of Korah, they demanded that they be priests and they started contending with Aaron. Guess what happened? They were giving offerings like this. They started to give offerings just like Aaron did. The Bible said fire came from the presence of God and bent all their censers uh, uh, and killed them right there. See, Old Testament was not something to play with that. Now, you know, we are in the period of grace. People can fumble with the things of God. People can play games, you know. We can do things and relax and kick it. Thank God for the grace of God. That even when we sin and we blow it, God sees with his mercy and forgives us. Thank God for this period, you know, whereby because of the blood of Jesus, we'll get to heaven that day. And Jesus, is, God is not going to point and say, I saw you sin there in Dallas. You remember? I saw you drink in Dallas. I saw you do this in Dallas. No. Since we have repented of our sins, God has covered us with his blood. That day when we come before the Lord, nothing evil that we have done is going to be exposed to God Almighty. Isn't that the grace of God? The grace of God! These sons of Korah, they continued rebelling against Moses. Moses was a man of God. Guess what happened? God said, I'm going to judge them. He told Moses, he said, let everybody keep away from their tents. You know, those days they used to move in tents. They'll pitch a tent and leave in tents. He said, move away from their tents. The people moved away from their tents. Guess what happened? 
The Bible said the earth opened up and swallowed them alive to show well. <laughs> it's not a laughing matter, you know. The earth opened up and they were swallowed up. What am I saying? The judgments of God in the Old Testament were so fierce. But here Jesus is saying, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You know, the key factor in our walk of faith is not to sin. The key factor in our walk of faith is not to point fingers when other people fall. People will fall. People will fall and come short of the glory of God. Our work as ministers is to bring people back to the walk of faith. I know people, when a pastor falls, man, they'll turn their head. They're going to, that's the the end of the ministry. (laughs) But thank God that other people do realize that man can fall. You know, we are made of clay. That's what the Bible said. It says we are made of from dust, and to dust we shall return. We are mortal men. Although the anointing of the Lord is upon our lives, we are still human beings and can fumble and fall. But we must not very much gravitate ourselves towards falling. Because the Bible says, he who is born of God does not sin. That's what the book says in First John. He that is born of the Spirit of God does not sin. So which means once we are born again and we are walking by the precepts of the Spirit, we are not supposed to live a life of sin. Paul said, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that which is uh, the will of God in your life. So we get transformed by renewing our minds by the word of God. Once you have a prayerful life, you read the word of, you read the Bible, you assimilate the word of God, your life will be different. But anyway, this woman, after she was delivered by Jesus, we don't see anywhere where she committed this sin again. Because the Bible could have told us, you know. But I think from the time she did this, she, when she encountered Jesus, she was a different woman. Friends, once we encounter Jesus, we need to be different. We need to be different. You know, God has uh, appointed unto us a life to live. We live this life by serving God. We live this life by the mercies of his grace. But you know what? Learn to abide in his presence. Learn to walk diligently. You know, Paul said, walk circumspectly. Circumspectly means walk in such a way that you might fumble or you might fall. See, we human beings, you know, like Jimmy Fogger was preaching here, the devil is still around. <laughs> the devil hasn't gone on vacation. He's going to try a pastor. He's going to try a bishop. He's going to try an apostle. He's going to try any individual because that's his assignment to discourage you in the faith to make you ineffective in whatsoever you're doing 
and to block your progress in the Lord. But guess what? We are not ignorant of his devices. <laughs> That's what Paul said. We are not ignorant of his schemes. Don't be ignorant of the schemes of the devil. That's why Paul said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I remember when we were redeeming Rwanda, the city, I was evangelizing in where we had that church. I went on a long fast, praying and breaking the powers of the devil. I went to the council, to the mayor, and got a permit. And we put a big sign. The moment you enter into Rwanda, we put a big, huge sign that said, the Pentecostal Believers Church of God, Rwanda, welcomes you into Rwanda. And with a big sign, Jesus is Lord over Rwanda. It's still there. <laughs> That's taking the city, my friend. Taking the city. When you say Jesus is Lord of Aluansha, you mean he's Lord of Aluansha. Because in the council, they used to come in the chambers. I would go pray before they have their meetings. I used to meet with the mayor himself. We used to have lunch together with the mayor. I used to go and meet with the uh, uh, district secretary. But what I'm saying is I planted the word of God in these people. And I I made sure that the light of Jesus shined in their heart. Friends, we have a task. We have a work to do. And by God's grace, when we walk circumspectly, praying every day. You know, when you're busy for the kingdom and you're praying every day, these things of sin don't even have a second thought in your brain. You don't think of sinning. I'm telling you, when you're busy with the Lord, you're prayerful, you're always in the Word of God, what time do you have to think about sinning? (laughs) What time do you have? You you don't have that time to think about sinning. You're so busy with the things of God. You see, like Paul said uh, uh, that uh, I've set my eyes. This one thing I do. What one thing do you do? What have you vowed to do in the kingdom? I, I, I remember, I think it's Isaiah who said, I set my face as a flint. You know what that means? Set your face as a cutting edge to move in the kingdom and do great things for the kingdom of God. Time to think small is gone. We're going to think big, plan big. God has got to change our status. We've got to move from A to B to C to D, going up. We can't be in sub-A all the time. Then you go to elementary, whatever they call it. We have to graduate. We have to do big things in the kingdom of God. You know, time works for no man. See, Caleb said, Lord, give me this mountain. You think Caleb had time to think of sinning? No. Not at all. He was thinking of taking nations. If we're going to take nations, friends, forget about sinning. Forget about thinking about these uh, things. You know, when you get bogged down in thinking about sinning, you are in elementary school. You're not fit to run as a man of God. You understand? A man of God doesn't always think, oh, I'm going to sin. Oh, I'm going to fall. Oh, I'm going to. No. As a man of God, your mind is in tune with the Spirit of God. You don't think about sinning. You think about the Lord all the time. You think about what to do in the kingdom. You 
The people who say, well, maybe I'm going to say no. Oh, maybe I'm going to drink. Those are ABC elementary new converts. <laughs> new converts are the ones who worry about falling. You see? Why? We must be, we as apostles of God and bishops and prophets of God, you know what we think about? We say, the Lord has said unto me, the God whom I saved, just like Paul, appeared unto me and told me, you must come and stand before Caesar, Paul, for, you know what Paul said? For I believe God. <laughs> That it shall be even that is it was told me. That's what we men of God think about. We don't think about going to the bar. We don't think about get, taking a, a bottle of brandy and drinking. No. We think about winning souls, changing lives, you know, making people better people in the kingdom. We think about changing the world. The little contribution we make is going to be much. We start small, then we become big by God's grace. So I challenge you, friends, wherever you are. You say, Bishop Mamba, can you pray for me? You know, I need strength. No, the best strength you can have is by praying to Jesus himself to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is the one who makes you strong. And as you read the Word of God, you read the Bible every day and you pray, you will be strong too. Amen. So, friends, I leave you with this word. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And having done so, to stand. Get yourself with the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith the sword of the spirit, the belt of truth, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That's my prayer for you. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I'll be talking to you again. We shall be having another discussion. Just be open to my broadcast. It's coming. You know, we are on a mandate to win the world for Jesus Christ. God bless you and bye-bye.